faith. More than belief. A principle of action that requires one to act on belief in order to produce faith. The lectures on faith are a study on the topic. Joseph Smith defined faith as a principle of power through action, in which one puts those beliefs into action and thereby acquires power. Joseph related faith to having power. One can spend a lifetime as a believer without ever developing faith. Before belief can turn into faith, action is required. Without some action consistent with belief, a disciple cannot move along from mere belief to developing faith. It is action, obedience, and living in conformity to God's will that yields faith. The commandments give us a chance to develop faith, which begins in very small ways. Emotional, sympathetic feelings are the beginnings of the seed sprouting. After that, the mind begins to get or to see the truthfulness of the system. Faith covers a broad spectrum. It begins embryonic and weak but can develop into an unshakable faith in the truthfulness of a principle. Jacob described this kind of faith. It results in actual power. See Jacob 3, paragraph 2. In the Book of Mormon, the word faith is used when an angel has ministered to someone. Moroni 7, paragraph 7 says, Behold, I say unto you it is by faith that angels appear and minister unto men. Wherefore, if these things have ceased, woe be unto the children of men, for it is because of unbelief, and all is vain. The development of faith will save one, but faith is not the end, and much more is offered if one is willing to receive it. Belief becomes faith, and faith becomes knowledge. Knowledge is what one gets when they are redeemed from the fall as Christ explained to the brother of Jared. Faith in him comes by hearing the word of God, delivered as he authorizes, by whomever he chooses to deliver it. If we receive God's word preached by someone he sends, then we can have faith in the Son of God. We can receive him. But if we harden our heart, blind our mind and refuse to receive what he offers today, then we do not and cannot have faith in him. We fall short of the faith required by his sons and daughters. This has always been the test. This will always be the test. I have been sent, and God is proving you. Joseph Smith testified to these things, and I am now a second witness. Therefore, two proclaim the same doctrine. Faith, Hope, and Charity There is a direct relationship between faith, hope, and charity. Faith comes from obedience and sacrifice. Hope comes when one's faith secures a promise directly from God. And charity comes when those holding faith and receiving hope seek to have all others share in the same promises. See 1 Corinthians 1, paragraph 53, Ether 5, paragraph 5, Moroni 7, paragraph 1, Moroni 10, paragraph 4, and Joseph Smith History Part 15, paragraph 35. Fear, anger, and selfishness are Satan's counter to faith, hope, and charity. Fall of Man God's withdrawal from Adam, causing man's spiritual death. TNC 82, paragraph 13 states this Moses plainly taught to the children of Israel in the wilderness, and sought diligently to sanctify his people that they might behold the face of God, but they hardened their hearts and could not endure his presence. 
These next words are important, therefore, the Lord in his wrath, for his anger was kindled against them, swore that they should not enter into his rest, which rest is the fullness of his glory, while in the wilderness. He did this in his wrath. Mankind thinks God is very loving and benign because of the sacrifice of Christ. These words seem Old Testament-like and not New Testament-like. But consider how God's wrath is manifested. He withdraws. When one wants him present and he withdraws, that disapproval can feel terrible. All mankind were in a lost and in a fallen state, and ever would be saved they should rely on this Redeemer, 1 Nephi 3, paragraph 2. Yea, behold, this death bringeth to pass the resurrection and ceaseth all mankind from the first death, that spiritual death. For all mankind, by the fall of Adam, being cut off from the presence of the Lord, are considered as dead, both as to things temporal and to things spiritual. Helaman 5, paragraph 12. See also the glossary entry, Wrath. False Christ Those who claim leadership and want people to follow them put themselves in the place of Christ. They are, in effect, a false Christ. It was prophesied they would come in the last days to deceive the very elect as false messiahs. See Matthew 11, paragraphs 3 and 6. False prophet. The idea of a wolf concealing itself in sheep's clothing, Matthew 3, paragraph 46, comes from men with the pretense of piety whose hearts are actually set on the things of this world. Wolves are still trusted with the treasury, given honor, and smothered with adoration. Joseph Smith had little confidence in mankind's ability to discern between the real and the imitation. He explained it this way, the world always mistook false prophets for true ones, and those that were sent of God they considered to be false prophets, and hence they killed, stoned, punished, and imprisoned the true prophets, and they had to hide themselves in deserts, and in mountains, and dens and caves of the earth. Hebrews 1, paragraph 49. And though the most honorable men of the earth, they banished them from their society as vagabonds, while they cherished, honored, and supported knaves, vagabonds, hypocrites, impostors, and the basest of men, TNC 147, paragraph 11. Anything claiming to be truth should conform with the truths already given in Scripture. Everyone's motives should be questioned until it is determined by sufficient observation that they are sheep. Any teaching or person who draws us to them and does not point us to the Lord, is unable to help us. If they try to supplant Christ as the object of admiration, then they are antichrist and a false prophet. False Spirit A spirit that misleads and confuses. Not limited to the idea of a devil, imp, or mischievous personage but it includes the much broader attitude, outlook, or cultural assumptions that people superimpose atop religion. False spirits take the form of ignorant, incomplete, or incorrect ideas that are easily conveyed from one person to another. People convey false spirits when they teach a false idea that the student accepts. False spirits infect every religious tradition on earth. This is not limited to Eastern religions that deny Christ but includes Christianity and Mormonism. So long as anything false is being taught, any error, a false spirit prevails. 
Different religious structures can be overtaken by false spirits through different means. If there is a religious hierarchy, only the top needs to be taken captive by a false spirit for the entire religion to be misled. If there is a diffused religion, then only the theological seminaries need to be taken captive in order to spread the false spirit. But if the religion is individual and each person is standing on his own, accountable for his relation to God. Accountable to learn, to pray, to reach upward, and to have God connect with him or her individually, then the only way to corrupt such an individual religion is to corrupt every single believer, every single practitioner. Joseph Smith tied the discerning of false spirits to priesthood, meaning a fellowship or association. See also the glossary entry, Priesthood. When a person has an association with heavenly angels, they are not apt to be misled by fallen, false spirits. See TNC 147, paragraphs 6, 9, and 11. False spirits are actively involved whenever God begins a work. And there are many false spirits vying for your acceptance, now at work among us. A false spirit is not difficult to identify. It stirs up fear, anger, resentment, envy, jealousy, and false accusation. It makes a man spread false rumors and make accusations that are untrue and unwarranted. Too many of those who should be lending their strength to the restoration effort, currently underway, are now laboring to undermine it, claiming to have a better path to offer. They want to divide the Lord's sheep, encouraging each individual to find Jesus alone and apart, a plan which would prevent Zion and please the adversary, who knows that if he can prevent Zion, he can continue to falsely claim to be the God of this world. False Traditions False traditions are as destructive for man as outright disobedience. The result is the same. The difference is that when one knows he disobeys, he feels guilt. But false traditions fool man into thinking he's obedient when he is actually misled. Thus, Satan leads many to destruction as mankind mistakenly follows darkness rather than Christ's light. Fasting And blessed are all they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. 3 Nephi 5, paragraph 15. This scripture is not about hunger or poverty. It is about fasting and seeking after righteousness. All qualify for this blessing by hungering after righteousness. All qualify by thirsting after righteousness. In other words, one receives the Holy Ghost in proportion to the hunger and thirst he or she displays. Fasting is a promised means for increasing the Holy Ghost in one's life. When Alma served as high priest over the church, he said, And this is not all. Do ye not suppose that I know of these things myself? Behold, I testify unto you that I do know that these things whereof I have spoken are true. And how do ye suppose that I know of their surety? Behold, I say unto you, they are made known unto me by the Holy Spirit of God. Behold, I have fasted and prayed many days that I might know these things of myself, Alma 3, paragraph 8. Fasting and praying opens the Spirit. It allows man to know a matter through the power of the Holy Ghost. The sons of Mosiah, as they were completing their service as missionaries, reunited with Alma, and Alma did rejoice exceedingly to see his brethren. 
and what added more to his joy, they were still his brethren in the Lord. Yea, and they had waxed strong in the knowledge of the truth, for they were men of a sound understanding, and they had searched the scriptures diligently that they might know the word of God. But this is not all. They had given themselves to much prayer and fasting, therefore they had the spirit of prophecy and the spirit of revelation. And when they taught, they taught with power and authority, even as with the power and authority of God. Alma 12, Paragraph 1 They not only searched the scriptures, but they also spent time praying and fasting that they might show God their earnest commitment to know the truth. The result was the spirit of prophecy and the spirit of revelation, or in other words, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. The Lord speaks in simple formulas. They work. When tried in sincerity, acting no hypocrisy, with real intent, they work. Half-hearted efforts are not so effective. But when a soul, any soul, hungers and thirsts after righteousness, they are filled with the Holy Ghost. Fasting is the most effective way to slacken the grasp of this celestial world on the mind and to move toward another ambience. To fast is to do without some normal necessities. Your everyday considerations must be put aside because you will be doing other things that require a totally different mindset. To fast is to disengage from the temporal and wasteful activities of the real world. Underlying the idea of the fast are two things. First, submission to God, and second, aiding the poor. One can accomplish these purposes even if the fast chosen has nothing to do with food. However, man's appetite for food is one of the most direct ways to discipline the will of the body. It is in one's thoughts, not his belly, where the real battle is fought. For someone who is unable to fast, but who can surrender some part of their diet, abstaining from all sweets, for example, it can serve the same purpose. For others, refraining from food and drink is possible without any danger to their health, but if they choose to do so for more than a day, then eating once in the evening allows the fast to continue the next day. One may not be able to hunger and fast for many consecutive days. But by reducing one's caloric intake and living with fasting, while still eating enough to subsist, one can subordinate the flesh to the spirit while still eating and maintaining health. Sometimes it takes days to receive an answer. Do not abandon the powerful tool of fasting. Instead, fast while eating enough for subsistence, and one's purposes can be accomplished without jeopardy to health. Father of many nations The role that is occupied by the head of the human family A priesthood line in which only one in each generation stands at the head as the father. Upon the death of one of these fathers, speaking about the rights belonging to the fathers, the family knew who stood next in line in order to be the father of all, the father of many nations. The priesthood appoints one who stands as the father of all, and this is the reason for Abraham's desire to become a father of many nations. This is why he is called Father Abraham. Luke 9, paragraph 20, John 6, paragraph 16, Acts 4, Paragraph 3, Romans 1, Paragraph 19, Joshua 5, Paragraph 3. Because if Abraham stepped into the line, he necessarily stepped into the role of providing the government of God by assuming the duty of Father. Christ is the one to whom all generations belong. 
He is the Redeemer of all mankind, and as the Savior of mankind He becomes the Father of all. 1 Corinthians 1, paragraph 63, Mosiah 8, paragraph 5, Alma 8, paragraph 15, and Ether 1, paragraph 13. Fathers, the The fathers in heaven, among whom are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, because of this dispensation being what it is, Peter, James, and John. Elijah made a promise, see Joseph Smith History Part 3, Paragraph 4, about reconnecting mankind to the fathers. Joseph called them the fathers in heaven. These are not our kindred dead, because our kindred dead are required to be redeemed by us. See also the glossary entries, rights belonging to the fathers. Hearts turn to the fathers. Fear The opposite of faith and hope. Fear is not only the opposite of faith, but it contains within it the bitterness of hell. See Genesis 1, paragraph 4. Man has become too fearful. Closing down because of fear hinders the process of bringing one to the Lord, as the devil knows, see TNC 22, paragraph 8. The path to God can only be found when one refuses to share in the confederacy of fear held by his fellow man. For those controlled by their fears, they will view Christ's way as a stumbling block and an offense. See Isaiah 3, paragraph 7 and 2 Nephi 9, paragraph 8. No one should let borrowed fears become the barrier to one's faith. One cannot respect men too much without respecting God too little. In contrast to fear, Moroni affirms that angels appear only to those with a firm mind. See Moroni 7, paragraph 6. The happiest of people are those who live without fear. Fellowship An individual, a couple, a family, or a group of families where there is no hierarchy. A group of equals who come together to learn, worship, fast, pray, and assist each other who are desirous to come into the fold of God and to be called His people, and are willing to bear one another's burdens. Mosiah 9, Paragraph 7 We own no buildings and, like the early Christians, meet in homes. Our numbers are small. We do not compensate ministers. Fellowships are informal, based on the doctrine of Christ. Every denomination in the world can be represented in these fellowships. One may join with other like-minded people for worship, fellowship and growth. First Presidency Joseph Smith said, the holy order was first given to Adam. He obtained the first presidency. When Joseph taught this in 1839, there was a church position called the First Presidency. The church position was a proper noun. When the teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith was published, the publisher was the LDS Church, the phrase First Presidency was treated as if it referred to the church position. However, the position Adam occupied was the First Presiding Father, or First Presidency, of the Family of God. This was not a church position. The family of God is not the same thing as an institutional church. The institutional church will never comprise the family of God, although it was intended as a tool to bring about the recovery of the family of God. 
Unfortunately, the institution grew to hinder the restoration of the family of God. God must now use a different means to fulfill his promises. The holy order was first given to Adam. He obtained the first presiding position on the earth and held the keys of it from generation to generation. He obtained it in the creation, before the world was formed, as in Genesis 2, paragraph 8. First Principles of the Gospel In early Mormonism, the first principles were conceptualized as faith, repentance, and baptism, largely as a result of the Restoration Movement influence from which both Sidney Rigdon and Parley P. Pratt came, being formerly Campbellite ministers. Joseph Smith's 1842 Wentworth letter included the first principles ordinances of the gospel among Latter-day Saint beliefs. He accepted his converts' characterization and used their terminology, CTNC 146. On June 27, 1839, Joseph Smith added that the doctrines of the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment are necessary to preach among the first principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In this statement he emphasized that these doctrines should be taught as part of the fundamental articles of faith by the missionaries. He repeatedly referred to and amplified this theme in discourses during the Nauvoo period. In his final church conference in April 1844, Joseph Smith redefined the term first principles of the gospel, tying it to the progression of men into gods. When he redefined the first principles about which so much hath been said, he addressed members, not the unconverted and untaught. He wanted them to comprehend much more about the gospel and learn a new, higher ideal. Christ's gospel includes attaining to the resurrection from the dead, becoming gods, and walking the same path as the Lord walked. These are the real first principles.